Loaded bases, Cody Decker. How's it going? Oh man, I am living the dream. I'm living. I'm finally on the podcast that I've been waiting been to it. get on. It's been a while. It's been about a three week trying to fit into your busy, busy schedule. No, no, it's been, it's all been you, man. I've been trying. I've been begging. <laughs> like, when can I finally get on your podcast? You're like, dude, in a couple of weeks, maybe. You kept pushing me off, pushing <laughs> me off. Hey, it's all you, man. Hey, this is the uh, actually this is the first podcast I have recorded on a Saturday. Honestly, nice. yeah. Hey, in over a year, this is the first time I have recorded anything for the podcast on a Saturday. I made it. I did. So, so I fit you in. My man, my yeah, man. We're good. Drinks to that. I will drink. I mean, I'm drinking a uh, eight and a half percent shilling cider, which they're from up in uh, Seattle. Very nice. And that's what I decided to uh, crack open for this one. I am Very currently good. just drinking a glass of water. You need at the that. Moment. You need the only that, reason I'm though. yeah. The only reason I'm doing that right now is because I'm going to go to dinner a little bit. And I am in El Paso, Texas, and let's just say that tequila can flow here. Hey, you need to stay hydrated. Water, water, water. Absolutely. But also tequila, tequila, tequila. <laughs> All right. So what do you do? What is your, what is the many hats that you wear? Well, I mean, if you went through my whole career, you know, I was a pro baseball player for 11 years before that I played at UCLA, uh, got to the big leagues with the Padres, uh, my small cup of coffee, played most of my life in AAA. I got compared. I was often compared to Crash Davis, and a lot of people. And it was funny. <laughs> people would either say it like lovingly, and then others would use it like, as like an insult. They're like, "Oh, we're gonna get him, whatever." Crash Davis, and I'm like, "Oh, you mean the most wise and nuanced and talented ball player ever put to film?" Yeah, you, you, you're comparing me to that guy. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it I any day. I would gladly be compared to a fictional character in a starring in a movie. I would absolutely What's love that. The only thing that's unfortunate is I went through my whole career as, you know, I had a nickname. I did have a nickname. That's the one good yeah. thing I can say I took away. I did have that a minor league That is one of my questions. How did you get the nickname Antihero? Completely by accident. But, like, but here's the thing, though. I, the Antihero nickname did actually happen, but we, we were sitting on a gold mine. My last name is Decker. Crash Decker. That's what I'm saying. It sells itself. Yep. How did we miss the boat? But I'll take yep. Antihero. At least it's original. Hey, it's, it's – I mean – it fits you. So you go. Ah, it so works, man. As, uh, where it came from, though, it's actually, there is a story behind that. Yep. It was in 2011. I was playing in San Antonio AA at the time. Well, actually, not at the time. They were back AA with the uh, San Diego Padres again for AA. AA for the San Diego Padres 2011. We were named Minor League Team of the Year. We had a ridiculous team. We, we, were, we were a team that was like three years running Minor League Team of the Year. We won 100 games, 100 games, 100 games, and this time it was Damn. in AA. And we were just – it was unfair to play us. And what's funny is of that group, almost all of us got to the big leagues – None of us stuck. No, but none of us got really an opportunity. Oh, to, yeah, there was a whole group of guys that were good enough, just amazing, played incredible together. And then after this season where we won the Texas League Championship mm -hmm. with like 105 wins, they broke up the whole team. And I was Weird. like the only one that actually made it to the big leagues with the Padres. Everyone else made it to the big leagues with somebody else. Um, it was a very unique and incredible team, and it was awesome. But I remember early in the year, I had a huge, huge April. I hit 11 home runs in April. And Damn. like there was like I, I knew I wasn't going up because we just got a new general manager and Jed Hoyer. And he just traded for his young, young first base prospect named uh, Anthony Rizzo. And yep. they just plopped Anthony Rizzo in AAA ahead of me, even though I'm like five years older than Anthony Rizzo. And I'm like, <laughs> OK, well, I guess I'm stuck in AA no matter what I do. 
And it was very much the case. So I had a huge April and then early, early May broke my ankle and I lost three months of the year and I was able to come back in time for playoffs. But that April I was doing an interview after every single game because I was mm-hmm. just having a killer month. And you know, the, the one guy, I had a game where he says, hey, Cody, so you were kind of the, the hero of today's game? I'm like, ah, no, more like the anti-hero of the today's game. He's like, <laughs> what? I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, you, you're happy I did it, but did you want me to do it? Did you? And he's like, I still don't understand. I'm like, listen, I'm like, I'm a bad guy that you root for because yeah. It, oh, yeah. it, be- it benefits you. Like, I'm Han Solo. You know Han Solo's not a good <laughs> guy. I'm Han Solo but with a slugging percentage. And he wrote all of that and he put it in the article and he wrote self-proclaimed anti-hero Cody Decker said this. And I said, oh, okay, that's interesting. So the next game I had another big game and he wrote down and we didn't talk about anything like, yeah. I used to give him ridiculous quotes and I used to always bring up movie quotes and I would go in the clubhouse like, hey guys, name a movie, name a movie. He's like, I need, I need something to just make up for this interview. He's like, <laughs> uh, uh, how about uh, Bill and Ted Bogus Journey? Got it. And I would just go and I would instead talk about the game. I would talk about Bill and Ted's bogus journey for the entire interview. <laughs> but then I, uh, I remember that in that next game, they, they wrote about me again. It said self-proclaimed mm-hmm. anti-hero Cody Decker did this. I'm like, oh, cool. So every day it was self-proclaimed anti-hero Cody Decker did this. And then and they then just got rid. Yeah, then they just didn't want to write self-proclaimed anymore because they're lazy writers. And they just wrote <laughs> down anti-hero Cody Decker did this. And it just kept happening over and over. And I'm like, hey. you know what? That's, I'll, I'll take it. And then that sticks. Yeah, like, and it, and it's once talking. you get a name like that, that sticks with you for the whole entire time. I don't think Catfish Hunter in meant to get that name, Catfish. but he but he was also Catfish Hunter. I mean, he has ended up yeah. being a legend. I I'm a legend in very very tiny circles, very tiny circles. I think you're a legend. You are ah, a, a stop it. You 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 deserve your own movie. You, ah. Life of Antihero. I don't know about that. I don't know if my story would be all that in. Uh, maybe parts of it. Maybe a book. Maybe like a long form series. Yeah, maybe we do get, it. Maybe we get like Netflix on board to put like a ten part. Or series we can do like together. an HBO movie on you. Well, or let's like let's let's like really go all in on it and turn into like a that. horror comedy. Maybe like a Fear Street mm. 2017, and it's just me playing in Binghamton, New York, being stuck in Double A for the let's Mets see. for three weeks. That could be like a American Horror Story in the minor leagues. Yeah, like that's yeah. That would be American Horror Story. 2A. Yep. <laughs> and then you do the whole entire thing. Let's see. Okay, so you were drafted in 2009. I was. Okay, so how was that? I mean, like, so how did you find out that you were drafted by the Padres? All right, so that's actually – that, I will say that actually is an interesting story. Because that's um, the start to the American Horror Story right there. Yes, it is. So um, going back, actually, before that, now my, my freshman year, I had a great freshman year at UCLA. Yep. I, I only had like 63 at-bats, but I had five homers, hit 300, and I, I was really kind of making a name for myself. And then the next year, I had a monster year. I had 14 home runs. Like, I, I, you know, I think Brett Wallace had more homers than me because Brett Wallace was the single greatest uh, NCAA baseball player who may have ever lived. He was unbelievable. And he also made it to the big leagues. Also a great team. I played with him with the Padre organization. Really good guy. Nice. Um, it was, but it, it, I remember that sophomore year was huge. And I remember after the year of the meeting I, with my head coach, we're talking about it. My head coach is like, yeah, you have another year like that. Um, it's been, you know, it's been relayed to me. You'll be top four rounds next year. So come back, ready to go. And I don't know why, but I, I you know what? I take that back. I was a kid. I was stupid. I was 21 years old. Yeah. I had that in my head for the next 12 months. 
next 12 months is the most important 12 months in the world ever. And I hold, held that in and I was, and then all of a sudden it turned into one bat at bat turned into five bat at bats, but it wasn't even yeah. a bat at bat. It turned it more into like, okay, that was a bat at bat. Then I'd have a line out. Okay. That's well in my head, that's two bat at bats, but it's not that's yep. one bat at bat. But then it's just climbing and clambering on then all of a sudden I get a bad strike three call. Okay. Now that's three bat at bats, but that's bad. It was taken away from me. Yep. And next thing you know, it just snowballed that I just having a bad month, my junior year. And you know, I was hitting 170 and I wasn't hitting for power. And I just, I was a mess. I was, I couldn't get out of it. And my hitting coach there was changing my swing every three days. And I was just trying to do anything I could to get it going. And mm -hmm. my, my, right when the end of the year started coming around, I started getting it going again. But, you know, I went from 14 home runs the year before hitting 330 to this year hitting 230 with seven home runs. And less at bats and spottier playing time because they started sitting me after a little bit. But man, it was messing with my head because again, frustrating. I'm a, yeah. yeah, I'm a stupid 21 year old kid. I, I don't have anybody there helping me through this and if you know college baseball teams and players especially back then I can't really say it about now but back yep. then you know yeah we were friends yeah we were pulling for each other we were a family but it's still pretty damn cutthroat like yep, they're 100%. not they're not necessarily rooting for you to do good because the better you do takes it away from you even though really my yep. success would help your success and vice versa and, you know, we were all so stupid and naive at the time to not understand that. So I think every guy on that UCLA team that year, even though we were all close and friends, I think we were all the worst grouping of teammates, including mm. myself, maybe ever. And, you know, everybody went on to great careers. You know, Brandon is just living an amazing career of what he's doing in San Francisco. And I had a good career and Jermaine Curtis made it to the big leagues yep. out of that team. Oh, yeah. And yeah, we had, a, we had a, just a ridiculous amount of guys go make it to the big leagues and they're all awesome guys. And I love them with all my heart, but I think even they would sit there and go like, you know what? We were all really at fault with how we handled our own, mm -hmm. you know, our own insecurities and we weren't able to talk about it because back then, man, it wasn't okay to talk about that. It was raw, raw. It was, Oh, you're soft. If you, if you can't get past this and you can't hang and really things that's change. not the case. Yeah. They, things really do change. And then you get, you know, you go through pro ball and you start to see, no man, that's ridiculous. Yep. Like everybody's going through the same exact thing. Everybody is self-conscious. Everybody has imposter syndrome and it, and it's like, it's only the really ridiculous guys who are just, super duper off the chart talented like yep. i've only shared a field with like five guys that i just went like well they're just not i'm not playing the same sport as that human being that's ridiculous like carlos correa uh ben attendee um uh, uh, mike trout obviously and <laughs> jacob de grom though like when you were on the field with those guys you're like yeah it's like um it, it's like, I don't it, belong here, huh? They're a whole different level. They're, they are in, in, insane. Insane. Insane it's, ball players. I mean, because that's like, okay, so like, I mean, because I played college ball for two years, but then uh, injuries, like I did that one. But then, um, yeah, but like, if I would, would go back and tell myself, don't, don't sweat those, like, just those, I think the one shitty day, like, just get over it. Mm -hmm. It's fine. Yeah, it's it, yeah. But it, it's it's impossible. Like you can't it's, do it because at the age but, of 20, 21, like you like you can't tell a twenty year old like, dude, like it's fine. Like don't think about it like, right now. Like just move on to the next day. Like you you can't tell ninety nine percent like of the twenty year olds that. Yeah, and it's impossible. You know, you, you know, normally you look around a clubhouse, you look for veteran leadership, but yeah. unfortunately, the guys that are going through that 
we were the veterans. We were the juniors and we didn't have it figured out. And which made me realize, oh man, all those other juniors didn't have it figured out either. We were all just kids. Stupid us for not seeing that at the time. But, you know, I think also the coaching staff even recognized their Mm -hmm. failures as well because, you know, they should have, and I think they've all learned from that because it wasn't just UCLA that year. I mean, I think that was just the college baseball lifestyle was all about, no, 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 we don't want guys in the training room. We don't want, we need tough guys here. And next thing you know, you're playing eight guys who are all injured because no one went to the training room all fall. And, you know, you know, I got a torn UCL that I'm just playing through because, Mm. hey man, I ain't no, I ain't, I ain't no pussy because that's what they're trying to yell at you. And I'm just like, dude, what are you guys doing? It's ridiculous. And I'm glad things have changed because that raw, raw, overly masculine nonsense it really doesn't help. And it really just leads to worse ball players and even more importantly, worse teammates and worse people. Yep. I mean, like it's more of like a short-term thought rather than like a long-term gain yeah. that you can see. Like, I mean, like as a person, I mean, like overall, yeah. but then to get back to where this was to the draft. So that year, I, I, I remember I, the draft came on my junior year. I got a phone call from the angels and they asked me if I would be willing to go in the 15th round for, they said a number, and I didn't really have a number in my head at all. They mm-hmm. just said, if we signed you for, if, if we threw $50,000 your way, would you go? And I just said, nah, I'm <laughs> going to go back my senior year. That's just, I, I think I, yeah. I need to, I need time off. I, I honestly, the truth was I was over baseball. I didn't want to look at a baseball. I didn't want to play Were baseball. Like burnt out from it. I was burnt. I was yeah. so burnt out. My year was terrible. I just, I honestly, looking at it, I'm 20 years old and I think my life is over. I'm 21. Like my life is over. I, I just blew my entire draft life and everything's like, it's over. I, yeah. I blew it. And I didn't know any better, obviously, but I wasn't the only one that felt that way. I had like five other teammates that felt the exact same way. Cause we all had a very down year. So I remember that off season going before in between those years, my, my head coach, John Savage, who I love to death, he, he just said, uh, like, we're going to send you back over to Mankato. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not going to Mankato. I'm, I'm, I'm staying here in L.A. Mm. Uh, and the idea was I was going to go back and become a catcher again. And I was going to work with our catching coach and do that. And I was doing that, but I, my heart was not into it, like at all. And I was, you know, bartending and bouncing during the offseason yep. in the summer. And I was just trying to make some money. And, and I remember the place I bounced at, at and bartended at said hey we have a baseball team a 30 and over baseball sunday team do you want to come and play with us and i'm like yeah kind of like you're you're 21 so you got to play under a fake name your your name is brian johnson i said okay i'll be brian johnson <laughs> so i went down i'm playing at all these high school fields that i played at growing up and i remember one time and brian johnson by the way is tearing up the league i was having i was playing with a bunch <laughs> of subpar 33 year old dudes who were out just hung over from the night before but having a blast playing baseball and watching them enjoy the game, like, oh, oh, this shit is fun. Yep. I completely fucking forgot that this can be fun. And playing with them for the next five weeks, just every Sunday, I'm like, this is the most fun I've had playing baseball forever. And it changed my perspective on everything, not just baseball, not just my team mentality not just how I was going to approach the game. It changed how I looked at life. I was just like, I have made myself sick and miserable because I didn't live up to this unrealistic expectation at such a ridiculously young age. I'm going to go out and I'm going to have fun because Brian Johnson was having fun and Brian Johnson just fucked up that league. So I'm going to go and, and I went back and I crushed my senior year. 
I got told by everybody, hey, it didn't matter what you did. Uh, you're going to be drafted a little let down and you're only going to be spent. You're going to get $1,000. Yeah. You have no bargaining chip. That's what it is. So I remember I did lead. I was, I think I led the nation in home runs. I had like three third. I had a cr- killer year. Insane just killer year. Uh, and I, and I, I carried my whole team on my back. We had a down year. We missed the playoffs by one game and no one, and we had a horrible start, but I mean, I really, really pulled, I really did my job as good as I ever could have done it. And I remember when it got to round 10 and my name wasn't called and it wasn't that I cared that because I knew I was getting a thousand dollars. I was just like, someone has to value what I just did. Yep. Someone's got to value it enough. Not, not for like, not for money, but for a pick and no one did. And I remember I just, after 10 rounds, I just turned off my phone, stopped would, listening. I'm like, I'm over this. It was just so kind of, I think it would feel like kind of like a letdown. Yeah. That, it's I, like, it, uh. honestly, it more just filled me with piss and vinegar. I'm like, you guys seriously? Like, come on, man. I get it that this team mostly played me at first base most of my mm-hmm. career here. Uh, and I, everything I read about me is that I'm a metal bat hitter and I can't play at the professional level with a wood bat. And I'm like, you guys, is this, are you guys high? I've hit with wood bats my entire life. It's all I hit with. You guys are seriously writing down that I can't hit with a wooden bat. Okay. Um, okay, that's where we're at these days. That's where scouting is. Good thing. I'm actually glad metrics are taking over baseball because that's the way scouting used to be done. Ah, I think he's a metal bat hitter. He can't based, hit the wood bat though. But uh, based, based on what? True. Anything? Intuition? The dumbest people I've ever met played professional and worked in professional baseball so using their intuition that. yeah using their intuition that. is not always the greatest <laughs> thing i'll take the numbers that actually tell you the story yeah but i remember after 10 rounds i went down i was at ucla i was at the the dungeon the weight room down there at acosta center and uh, i was mid-set of squats and i got a phone call and he's like hey uh just drafted you from the san diego padres and i was at the time mid-set and a little amped up and still kind of pissed off and i just <laughs> said cool click Went back, oh, no and shit. My, went back and finished my workout. I was just like, I got a workout to do, man. I guess I'm going to go play somewhere in five days. Whatever. I was pissed. Damn. And then, then after I was done with, after I was done uh, being angry for no, yeah. absolutely no reason at all. <laughs> I think it was salty. just hopped up. On, I think I was just hopped up on pre-workout. Uh, I called the scout back and I'm like, hey man, really excited to get to work for you. And he's just, and then I was also a bit of an arrogant little bastard too. And I remember I was just, he said to me, he's like, yeah, man, I'm really excited. I'm really, really excited to have you. I'm like, yep, I'm going to be the best fucking player you ever drafted. You're welcome. Hell yeah. And um, he got fired two years later. No shit. I was the best player he ever drafted. No question about it. Not even close, in fact. I saw those other guys. Come on, man. You're welcome. Damn. Hey, manifest the future right there. Hey man, it was it was a great time. I've got to the Padres organization that year. I won yep. the AZL MVP and I, I broke some records and it was it was a lot that of fun. A, I won I won an award over a, a over a young Mike Trout. I don't care if I was twenty two and he was like 16. I would be hyped. I would be hyped saying it's that. all I got. It's all I got. It's all I got in life. I would take that. I would take that and <laughs> run with that shit. I don't care if he became the greatest player who ever lived the next year, which he did, by the way. Hey, you gotta get tattoo say award over Mike Trout that's that's and, and then say and then they say hey Cody uh what do you do it doesn't matter see that tattoo like we're I'm just fine. gonna have a t- yeah I'm gonna have a, I'll yeah. put it right here it's an AZL MVPs Cody Decker one Mike Trout zero hell yeah I would that's all I got hey that's I love that guy that uh, that would be that would be something else 
that guy's a superhero. I, I, I wish I could was half as cool as that dude is. I, I, uh, I ran into him. Um, it was, uh, in, it was fall of 2012, I believe. So, uh, I played down in, uh, Peoria at, uh, it was like, it was for like the fall classic, like for like the high school kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we went to a, uh, AZL game and then, and then he was sitting like five seats, like to our right. And it was just him. And then I mean, cause there was like no one else in the stands. I was just like, what the fuck? Why is like, why is he here? And then just like, holy shit. Like he's a lot bigger than, I mean, like you see. He's a big dude. I always tell guys that I train these days. That I, I, so in El Paso, Texas, I run a mm-hmm. baseball and softball nonprofit called the El Paso Border Youth Athletic Association. By all means, check out our website, borderyouth.org. Yep. Um, but, you know, I, I tell the, all our student athletes, I'm like, hey, guys, you, I, I know I want to get my job is to get you guys to college through, through yep. baseball and softball. But you, you guys got to hit the weight room, all of you. Like, yep. you don't seem to understand. Like, I'm like I pointed at a random kid. I'm like, who's the smallest guy in baseball? And they always say Jose Altuve. I'm like, yeah. Probably Jose Altuve. Jose Altuve is jacked. And oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. jacked. Get in the weight room. Yeah, there's, I mean, who, who is the smallest guy in MLB? I, I mean, height-wise, maybe, probably Altuve. Well, yeah, I'm probably a couple like of, overall. maybe, maybe someone, maybe a little skinnier like D Gordon, but D Gordon's cut up and he's the, one of the fastest he's guys fast. around. Yeah. You know, Billy Hamilton, same thing. He's same, fast. Yeah. He's just a different type of athlete. But yeah, like they're still jacked and athletes. Like you gotta, you gotta be in shape, True. man, to do this. I, I look terrible. And the worst thing is, I was always in really good shape my whole career. And mm-hmm. I used to read articles about how fat I was, how out of shape I was. <laughs> I'm like, do I need to like start posting shirtless pics? I know, I need, I, I, I'm rocking a minor league jersey that was not tailored to my body. I'm a barrel chested 5'11 dude. I'm a big guy. So then but like, it just looks tight on you. It just, it's tight on my chest and just splails out. Yep. So I, I, I freely admit I look like shit in a baseball uniform. I never look, made a baseball uniform look good but i was just like guys you want a shirtless pick or something just put my shirtless pick up as my my photo every time i come to the plate so i can well. shut up some of these guys i would love reading that like about myself mason hall is fat as shit yeah i'm like, like hell yeah like let's go oh i would read that about, i would like, well, own that i would do that i would own it but it's, i i can own it i can be like yeah when i was fucking 13 and i was Fat little little fat kid, Cody Decker. Yeah, I was a fat thirteen year old. I got and I hit the weight room. Damn, I I have never been. I mean, like I was always the smallest kid until probably. I think I grew finally uh, sophomore year of high school, mm-hmm. and then and then like and then until until I got hurt for the first time, and I and then like because that was the first time I never like I've never not played baseball or been in the weight room or like any of that stuff. I think I gained like 30 pounds hmm. just from like drinking and like eating like shit in college and it was just like what the fuck happened and it ah it's just how it goes you know yeah. like it, it, it went, whenever you, whenever you and it's also when you get out of that lifestyle see i've, yeah. I've done a pretty good lo- job of creating the same similar routines that i still maintain my lifestyle yeah. i still work out a ton but i'm also have the luxury of you know running a baseball facility that has a good yeah. weight room and, a, and good programs and um you know i get to be around other guys that are training in the weight room and i'm training them and i have to show them honestly the right way to do it and, if, yeah. I, and they and when they start hitting new prs and personal records it encourages me to hit yep. my new personal records because i want them to get stronger than me at my strongest and right now is quite frankly i'm at my strongest now amazingly and so i'm i'm trying to set bars for these guys to go hit say 
how, how old are you right now? I'm 34. 34. Okay. See, I, so that kind of right there inspires me to turn 30. Like I want it. I want to be in my 30s. Just so I have that motivation now from you to uh, get in the best shape of my life when I'm 34. Ah, uh, bro, I just got, I, I'm doing it for selfish reasons. I got to keep the hey. wife interested. <laughs> That's why I got to do it. Yeah, I got to keep, I got to keep, I got to keep it remote, at least remotely tight. And if it ain't tight, I better be, I better be you better swole. Be, better be packing. I better, I better, my traps better be Goldberg-esque. <laughs> That's, uh, that would be, hey. Just Grind. mountains to my left and right ear. Just straight up. Just a full-on hill. Like one of those hills that you would see in an old, car- old Charlie Brown cartoon that I would walk up the hill. <laughs> like it's the curvature of the earth hill. That type yep. of hill from my shoulders to my next type of traps. I better be that swole if I'm going to not be quite as tight. I, I got to get your motivation right there. That is... <laughs> I need it's not, no, I, I need it's not motivation. It's fear. It's hey, fear. Okay, then I need all that fear put in me for all that. So it, it, okay, so okay, so when you were growing up, uh, so you're born in Santa Monica. Yeah. How how I guess did you always want to be in professional baseball? Yeah. What yeah, was, was your yeah? What well, was like, a little was kid? It was all I wanted to do. I'm like, I'm gonna be a baseball player. I remember as a little kid watching Dodger games. You know, I would watch Daryl Strawberry, and then when Mike Piazza and, and Errol, Eric Caros came to the mm-hmm. uh, came up in 1992, I think it was, and you know, one rookie of the year, and then Mike Piazza, and then then Raul Mondesi, and then Todd Hollinsworth, and it was just like five, and, and Hideo Nomo, who I forgot yep. about. It was five straight rookies of the year. It was like an awesome time to have. The Dodgers players were like superheroes to me. And it was like back then, like I don't really hear much about rookies of the year anymore. Back then, like it's rookies tough. of the year was like it was like the most important award back in the '90s. It was crazy, and the Dodgers had them all, but they didn't go to the playoffs ever with them, which is the only thing that yep. sucked. But I, I was, uh, I, I mean, they, they, those Dodger players were just like superheroes to me, and I wanted to be that. That's all I wanted to do. Who, who was your favorite ball player of all time? Whew, that's a tough question. It goes in different spurts. You know, if I, if I want to go with like my youth Dodger okay, yeah, love, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, youth. Um, youth Dodger love, I would go with um, probably Eric Karros or Sean Green. Those two were just unbelievable. And I got the luxury to play with Sean Green, which is oh, just shit. so cool. Um, but Sean Green was probably my, when he was a Dodger, he was my favorite player at that time. Before that, you know, there was Eddie Murray. Like Eddie Murray was just, uh, every time he walked the plate, it was you're, you're watching a legend, a literal living human baseball god in Eddie Murray. Uh, Tony Gwynn was another one too. Like I was a diehard Dodger fan, and I, I got so excited to see Tony Gwynn come to the plate and beat the Dodgers. I I had the pleasure of uh, I met him uh, back in actually yeah it was it was like uh, December of 2012 still and so then I went down to San Diego. That was when he was coaching for uh, San Diego State. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, then he came down to uh, it was uh, it was it was like a camp I went to for University of San Diego, and he was there. And I, I mean, like I just saw him, and I was like, hey, like I'm gonna go like introduce myself, yeah. and it was just like I was so thankful for the opportunity. Lovely, lovely, lovely man. I actually uh, do a, I co-host a podcast with Tony Gwynn Jr., big time mm-hmm. baseball for Aussie yep. Sports. So please, by all means, check that out wherever you get your favorite podcast. Oh yeah. That I will, I share those, Twitter, retweet those. Like you guys do amazing. 
Thanks, man. You guys we're we're really proud of the show. And we got, I got a couple other announcements coming up, but I also got the, my show in Chicago, big time, uh, uh, down the line with Cody Decker, which yep. you could also hear live on the Odyssey app. But um, big announcements coming. Dude. Yeah, I got some cool stuff coming your guys' way. Do you want to share some? I can't yet. Because this will actually be posted this Friday. So if it's before. I, I would if I knew Ooh. for a fact it would happen. If, if the announcement would happen before that. But yeah, I got other, other announcements coming up, man. And some, are, some have an opportunity to be really, really cool. Those, those won't be taking place till September. But I got one coming okay. in the next few days uh, that I'm looking forward to uh, sharing. Nice. Yeah. So how, how, how uh, uh, so when you get the call like, to go up to the big leagues? Were you pumped? I was, but it was after a night. Uh, it was after a very tough night. You know, I, I played seven years with the Padres organization. I literally, and this is not a joke. I broke every offensive record pretty much they had. RBIs, I have it. Home runs, I had it by like 60. Uh, Damn. Total bases, I had it by set like 200. Like I had every offensive record the Padres have, and they would just never give me an opportunity to go to the big leagues. I was an all-star throughout the organization. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was just, it was, it was tough. And I remember after that last playoff game with the Chihuahuas here in El Paso, I, and I sat in my locker and my manager never came and grabbed me. I just packed up my locker and went to, I think I went to the bar, the hoppy monk had, had a, a drink, a farewell drink. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to hang them up. Damn. Um, it's like, if, if these guys won't call me up after all of this, after everything and won't give me a real chance, this, I'm sad to say it wasn't worth it. That sucks. So I called my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife and told her what I was thinking about doing. And she said, if that, I think you just, she was right. She's like, I think you just need to sleep on it for a couple of days. You know, you know, you'll, you'll, after one month of the off season, you'll get start swinging the back. You're going to get phone calls for offers to go out and play. You're going to, you're going to go back and play. Mm -hmm. I said, ah, you're right. And she really did talk me down quite a bit that night, but I was really depressed. And I remember I got on my flight the next day and uh, landed at LAX. And I did remember writing a text saying, thank you to Sam Ganey, who was at the time the play had a player development. It was his first year doing the job and he was about mm -hmm. my age. And I just wanted to let him know my, like, Hey man, Great to get to know you this year. I wanted to say thank you for everything you did uh, this season. Looking forward to seeing what you do going forward. You're going to absolutely crush this job. Because when he got that job that year, he was young. And he was, I think he yeah. was a little overwhelmed. And I was at that time, like, the veteran minor league baseball player in the organization that's been there all along. And I was just kind of being, trying to be encouraging to him. I'm like, you're going to be, you're going to kill this. It's going to be fine, dude. Trust me. You're just, you're going to be fine. And he was. He was great. And, um, you know, I remember getting that. Uh, he, I sent him a text just saying that and saying thank you and I look forward to seeing you down the road nothing more yeah. head of player development it's not like I called the GM or someone yeah. I mean, it's it's I, I call I called a front office guy but it's not a front office guy that could say well we gotta we have to get this guy to the big leagues trust me he had nothing to do with it I just sent him a I just sent him a text and but I got a phone call from my, one of my baggage flame and he just say hey I, I just wanted you to know I, that text meant a lot to me I'm like oh I, well I appreciate everything you did. Like, I just, I like nice people and I, yeah. and you know, I think, I think you're going to kill it. And I'm, I'm sure we'll talk sometime down the road this month, maybe next month or something. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll come back. Who, who knows? Uh, and he's just like, well, I just want you to know you've had a great career here with the Padres. And I it really, I, it makes me upset that I'm the one calling you right now. Uh, Cause oh. I know you have, you have uh, relationships in this organization that go way back, but we're going to need you to get on a flight. The team needs you in Arizona. And I just kind of paused and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm like, um, what? 
one more, and I'm, I, I just pause my guy like, <laughs> Sam, Sam, here's the deal. Are you fucking with me? And here's the reason <laughs> I ask. I was a prankster. I caused a lot. I did. I made a lot of pranks. I put out a lot of pranks on YouTube that went viral. Yep. I, I was very well known for doing I, pranks. I've seen a few of them. Yeah. I, I was well known <laughs> for being that guy. And I was like, Sam, any other time I would think this is the funniest fucking prank ever. Like genius. It would, cr but today it's going to, I'm, it's going to rip my, my heart out. Like I'm, I'm not in a good mental space. <laughs> He just started laughing and he just goes, no, it's for real. You're going to the big leagues where you oh, should have been. He's like, where you should have been all along. And I was just like, holy shit, Sam. He's like, I'm like, thank you. He's like, no, man, you earned it. I'm like, thank you. Uh, and then I, I, I just sat there and I got a text message from my mentor, Reggie Smith. Mm -hmm. I literally just got off the phone with Sam Gaming. I'm like, what the hell's happening? What's hell's happening? I see colors where they weren't before. What's happening? And all of a sudden, <laughs> ping. And I look down. Congratulations, man. I've, I've, been, I've been waiting for this, this announcement for a long time. And I'm just like, how the fuck do you know this? I was just told 30 seconds ago. Everyone knows before you do. And he just responded back. He just says, don't fucking worry about it. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, God damn it. Reggie, he does it again. Always oh, out yeah. fleecing me. And then my, uh, my wife picked me up and, um, you know, she was sad when she got there and, uh, I just told her uh, that she got out of the car. I'm like, I'm going to the big leagues. And she just started crying and just jumped in my shoulder in arms. And it was like a ending of a romantic movie, which I wish the movie ended right there. Cause I went to the big leagues and they didn't play me at all. I didn't do anything. A couple of pinch hit appearances got one start. That start was at Dodger stadium. And as a kid that hey, grew up in LA, I got to tell you that hyped dude, I, I got to tell you, you made it. You went as on much, as much, yeah, played. As, yeah, as much as I want to sit here and, you know, it's, I could, I have plenty of things that I could say about how I play, how I, my opportunity up there. Yeah, I would have liked to have gotten a better shot. But you know what? At the end of the day, I got to play in a big league game. I got to be one of the 20,000 that ever stepped yep. foot on a major league stadium, played a game, and I got to start a game at my home stadium that I grew up in watching. I, I went to Dodger yeah. games four nights a week, especially when I was in high school with all my buddies, all my teammates. Uh, at Santa Monica High School like it was awesome that my one start was at Dodger Stadium I got to do it in front of my parents my family hey, old coaches you um, you you can't ask more than that it was that just awesome if I if I'm gonna it, you know I got an RBI that game it was cool I, I look back at that day I'm like man that was just cool just beyond cool the most perfect day that could happen could have you know would i have liked to have finished the entire game not be double switched out after two at bats yeah would i have liked more than one start to in a row to actually get something going yeah would i have been liked to not pinch hit you know once in a while considering i had never pinch hit before in my life and mm -hmm. i'm sitting here pinch hitting in the big leagues and they, hey dick when was the last time you had a bat uh eight days ago great madison bumgarner's got a no hitter in the eighth good luck go in yeah you're <laughs> in now Okay, we'll see how this goes. Completely <laughs> cold. Go up there facing Madison Bumgarner, who does have a no-hitter in the eighth, and he starts me 3-0. And this is the one at bat that I think about my entire life, all the time. Uh, he starts me 3-0. I'm like, okay, well, great. I'm a, even though I'm the same age as Madison, I've played, gone all through the minor leagues with Madison. But Madison's been in the big leagues now at this point for like six years. And, yeah. And I have, and you know, I faced Madison like 30 times. But because what year was this? This was uh, 15. 
15. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just sitting there. I'm like, okay, well it's I prime. can't swing. And, but I, this is only like my, my four, fifth at bat. So I can't swing three O on Madison Bumgarner and a no hitter in the eighth strike one <laughs> right down the middle. I'm like, okay, here we go. Fastball a little late fouled it off. I'm like, okay, he's throwing me five fastballs and I never do this. I got off the fastball in my head. I'm like, he's not going to throw me another fastball. There's no way I fouled that right back. He's, he's going to throw me off speed. He's going to backdoor a slider. Cause that's, cause that's honestly something yep. he used to do with me a lot. He'd always back. I faced him in spring training a lot. He always loved to flip me sliders, whether he knew he was doing it to me or not. He always did it. Um, so I figured a slider was coming and that was the only time my entire career I got off the fastball. I never was not on the fastball. Got off the fastball on that pitch, threw a fastball, fouled, and I just was not on time to it. Foul tipped it in the glove, and I just went in the dugout, just motherfucking myself, angry because that was that was one of the very few opportunities that yeah. I really got. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, I got to go to the big leagues. I got to play for the team that drafted me, yep. and the Padres, which are is just, rare too. Yeah, the Padres are just right here in my heart for forever for that. See, that's that's I mean. Like I said, like before, like that's all that, that that's perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, you played at your hometown debut. That's amazing. And I, I remember who the guy who told me that I was starting that day it was Dave Roberts. It was so cool. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Dave Roberts came into the, uh, a couple of the guys, even a couple of the guys were even saying, he's like, dude, are you ever going to play? Like, why did they not, why did they bring you here and like to, to watch? I'm like, oh, I, I don't know what's going on. Dude, I'm just here to I, have some fun. I'm just here to get the free drinks. Like, it's awesome. Um, <laughs> it was great, but it was just like, yeah, I don't know. But then I remember Dave Roberts just came in with the lineup. He's like, it's Decker night. We finally get to see what Cody Decker's got. I've known Dave Roberts at that point for like 15 years. So it was just like, yeah, I get to play at Dodgers. So I started texting Hi. everybody. I'm like, I am starting tonight. You have to go. He's like, I have a meeting. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I'm starting at Dodger <laughs> Stadium. Get the fuck over here. Do, do, you, do you have that lineup card? I do. I do have that lineup card, and I, uh, I got it framed, and I gave it to my mom for Christmas. Nice. That's yeah, awesome. That was, that was a very cool one. I was very, very pleased to have that lineup card. I was, uh, dude, it, was, it, was, it was truly, truly an honor. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's cool. I look back with – yeah, could I say things about this and that? Yeah, but I look back with really nothing but the utmost fondness uh, like, yeah. and just admiration and – you know, I worked for it. I worked by, I gave, I put my life for it for that, you know, for not much, but that not much is something no 20,000 people in the history of earth got to do it. That's correct. That's a, that's a small number, man. I'll take it. A thousand percent. Take that. Yeah. So then like, after you were done playing, how, I guess, how did you get into like the media side of it? Hmm. Like, so like after you were done playing, how did you, transfer that mentality to go into like what you do now um then like how did you roll it wasn't that? amazingly it wasn't that difficult for me um i um i i had i turned down other opportunities yeah. throughout the years um you know even when i got called up to the padres they uh they asked me to retire after that year and take over the pregame show like oh, we wow. want you to stay on and do the pregame show i'm like i just got to the big leagues <laughs> yeah no no and, you know, looking back, maybe I should have done it because I never got another chance at the big leagues. But, you know, I and then I've had other opportunities and that I didn't take because I was still I was still a baseball player. I yeah. wanted to play. And, you know, but I was also a lot of talk opportunities to get in the get in the front office side or get a you know, manage team. I turned down a couple. You know, I turned out the Padres offered me the, the AZL manager job a few times. They I got offered. Uh, 
uh, a couple of double A jobs at one point. Um, and it's just, I wasn't ready to, I'm like, I just finished 11 years of minor league baseball. And I don't, and my, my, my ultimate dream job was never to be a major league baseball player. My ultimate dream job was to be a major league manager. That was always my dream. Even as mm-hmm. a little kid, I'm like, I'm going to be a baseball player. I'm going to be the best baseball player ever. But after that, I want to, I want to be the guy in charge making that lineup. I want, I looked at big league managers like Bobby Cox and like that, the amount of respect that man commands and, and what he does is cool. And the nuances. And once I got into pro ball, especially, and after what I learned from my failures in college mm-hmm. on how more or less how to conduct myself and how to conduct, you know, how the best way to get this done and, and be there for other guys, the way I should have been there for those guys then. And I, and so they could be there for me and, and really create a better and more positive atmosphere and make sure everybody's having fun. Yeah. Just having a good time. Um, you know, I, I, I got to see how other managers handled that, how they handled clubhouses. And I would start taking notes. And I remember um, every game I DH'd in AA San Antonio in 2012, my manager was John Gibbons. And Gibby would always have me up. They had this separate section for the manager that was like a, a raised platform. And it would always be him and Tom Tornacasa, our hitting coach. And Gibby would always insist that I was the third one there because he wanted me to be next to him as he was making every decision. He wanted to see what why I was making decisions. Mm-hmm. He was explaining like, this is why I'm doing this, 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 and this. He was basically, he was teaching me how to manage. He yeah. was teaching me how to handle a bullpen. He was teaching me how to say, all right, double switch here. This is why I'm going to do this. If it doesn't happen, I got this option, this option, this option. And he also had numbers to back it up. And there were all, and it's funny. And yeah, everyone thinks of Gibby as this old school manager. And he was, but he, like Gibby doesn't ignore numbers. Uh, Gibby knows what he's doing. Like he's John Gibbons. And I, I got to learn a lot through him. And um, then nice. I got to play for Pat Murphy for a few years and seeing his style and his in-game style was atrocious. He might've been the worst game manager <laughs> I've ever had or seen, but he might be the greatest manager I ever had. Um, because what he could do. Explain. Explain what he, Yeah. What he could do that other managers couldn't quite do to his level mm-hmm. was he could inspire players okay yeah truly he he could do um pat, pat murphy is not an earnest man but he knows how to play one on tv so pat murphy knows how to be ted lasso <laughs> he also knows how to be an asshole but when he gets in ted lasso mode he's very convincing <laughs> i i'm starting ted lasso tomorrow that is on my daily my daily schedule. It's going to change your life. It's, it truly is. It's, it's it, the greatest show ever. Honestly, your, your tweet about Ted Lasso was the uh, one I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, you're, you're going to want to watch it. Trust me. It's going gonna, it's gonna to change your life, that show. It's, it's amazing. But yeah, it was just, you know, I got to, I got to see all of that and the nuances of the game mm-hmm. from, that, from that aspect. And yeah. so, but I was also making, you know, I also, you know, I went to film school and I grew up making student films and I was in theater and I was a part of a theater company for years and I started in plays and musicals and I liked being in performing. So I would always make my films during the baseball season, mm-hmm. in the off season. I would peel back the curtain. I wanted people to kind of engage and I wanted people to I wanted people to have access to what I was doing I, yeah. I wanted them to like if you guys are wondering like how hard this is like this is what I'm doing like here we're, we'll do a live periscope from the batting cage what I'm doing here we're gonna go to the weight room we're gonna do that like all those things I wanted people to see it um, because shit's hard man it's a it's yep especially if when you're living on minor league lifestyle when yes. you don't have any money you're getting paid 
you know, $300 every two weeks. And that doesn't cover the rent because your team doesn't cover your rent. And of course you got to pay for your own gas and your own food. And the food that the clubhouse gives you is not going to cut it. And then I've lived in my car multiple seasons. That is true. I had a, I mean, it's just, it was a, it was a grind, man. And then you come in the off season and you don't have anywhere to live. You don't have yeah. anything to do and you have no income and you have no means of making money. The only and you still have to train to be a professional athlete at an elite level. Yes. And you know, it's, it's tough. quite frankly, it's impossible unless you're independently wealthy. Um, and, and that's, and you know, you're, if anyone's wondering why baseball doesn't, hasn't grown the way it could in like inner cities and, and, and poor areas. It's because baseball is expensive it is. and, and it needs to be easier to access. Thousand percent. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, it, it costs a lot to play like tournament ball, like to get out there, like in front of people. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's wild. It has changed a lot. It is. It is a cash cow is what it is. And yep. I, I would like people to, start treating it what it should be which baseball is baseball one is a, an amazing game but it's also an incredible teacher of how to conduct yourself in life because that's a game that percent. that game's gonna beat the living shit out of you non-stop and and you're gonna fail you are you're gonna, gonna fail, fail but how are you gonna come back from it uh -huh. and not only that you if you failed 70 percent of the time you're one of the good ones great job that's Yep. Like that's, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow. So man, if you can get through baseball, you can get through just about anything. A thousand percent. It's it. I mean, like, so I do, uh, like, so I, I did a podcast with, uh, Jeremy Wolf from uh, more than baseball mm -hmm. and yeah. And then like, I think we talked for about three and a half hours. It was just like, I like, like I had so many questions about, I guess like, Oh, I guess like the minor leagues and then like all of that. And like, like since that, time I talked to him, uh, I started doing, uh, I guess like I've been trying to have more minor league guys like on the podcast mm -hmm. just so I can have them like tell like the stories of like their minor league journey. Cause mm -hmm. it's, it's, it, it's insane. Like of how it is. Yeah, and it is. People, it is. And people do not understand that. They have no idea, no idea what how how absolutely bad yeah. it truly is and people were like wait well they increased it 40 percent you have no idea <laughs> how bad that actually is that yeah. is nothing you guys don't seem to understand 40 percent more of next to nothing is still pretty much next to nothing yeah it's it's absolutely insane mm -hmm. so, yeah because we had uh like so we did have Yakima Bears here. So they were a short season single A for the Diamondbacks for a while. And yep. then, and I know that like a lot of the players that played, they would work in the mornings for a UPS, like just so they had some extra money and they would start like 3 a.m. And they would be like just getting home, like from like road trips, like midnight. And they had to still go do that just so they can survive and live. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a grind, man. I mean, my, my off seasons were crazy. Like the only jobs I can get were bar bouncing and bartending because I had to get up in the morning. I had to do all my cardio. I had to get yep. my meal in. I had to go get my workout in. I had to go get my hitting infield catching work in. I had to catch some bullpens. And then I had to get home by about four o'clock to get ready for my bartending shift. That was going to end at 2, 2, p 2 a.m. Like that was my life for years in the off season. Oh, and then the days that were easy were the days where I could, I could pull back on my workout and I fit in five straight hours of lessons with kids so I can make to a little make extra cash yep. so I could fund my career. Yeah. 
it there's there's a lot more than just what's on the field it's mm-hmm. it, and that's what like i love to explain to people and then i'm i i, I can't tell, tell you like the amount of times like that people say oh well oh well because the players like shouldn't be a uh, bitching because they get paid to play a game it's like okay yeah but you still have like other things i'm like i'm like that is your job like that's your career. Like, how are you going to support yourself? How are you going to support others? Yeah, and also those those people that say that, well, they get paid so much to play a game. No, it's it's a career. It's a job. Yeah, and also that window of opportunity for that player's body to not break down to yeah. actually make any money is so staggeringly small. It's a combination of luck and just being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, like I can't tell you like the amount of people people like that I've talked to like that they have gotten their opportunity. Because scouts or college coaches were there to watch someone else. Mm-hmm. And then they just, <laughs> your dogs. My dog, Pooch, little little puppy, getting a little mad. He hears a little wind outside and he's freaking out. Hey, sit down. Hey, hey, hey. Sit down, Franklin. <laughs> Good boy. Puppies, man. He's a puppy, man. He's four months old. He's huge. Oh, damn. He's a puppy puppy. Oh, he's oh no, he's big. He's legitimately big already. He, oh, he's a big puppy. He's gonna be enormous. I don't. Even, we, we're not even certain what breed he is. We think he's at least half Great Dane. You have no idea. Oh, we're not positive. We're gonna twenty three and me it. We're gonna give away his DNA. We're gonna do it. You have to. Got to find out, man. Damn. But it, it, it's a. Uh, Sounds like I'm selling the Prius. Wild. Ooh, the Prius. The <laughs> the all wheel drive Prius. Oh, no, I got the Prius Prime, the best of the Priuses, but let's be real clear, the best of the Prii, but I will say that uh, it barely fits me, let alone me and an enormous dog. <laughs> I mean, especially for road trips, that'd be, yeah. that's tight. I got, dude, I drove 14 hours yesterday from Los yep. Angeles to El Paso today, so trust me, it's, uh, I could use bigger, I'll, I'll upgrade, I'll upgrade soon, I will. I would, I mean, well, I, okay, so in, there is socal socal el paso i've driven through el paso i went there this wonderful city man you got to check it out yeah I, it, it uh it's like i lived in florida for one year in 2018 and then i was driving back from florida up to washington state and then we stayed along the border and went through el paso yeah this is a cool town man you got to stop by next time you pop through oh a thousand percent i've heard lots of great things about that city awesome man awesome no, but it, it's a uh, dude. You do tons of things. You're a busy, 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 busy guy. Try to be. Well, you know, it's a good problem to have. You know, it, honestly, it is. We're getting a lot of great things done here in El Paso with a lot of these student athletes. We're getting guys yep. into college. We're getting guys signed to pro ball. We're getting guys signed to indie ball. Like it's the amount of yeah. It's a lot of hours. It's a lot of frustration. It's sometimes tedious. Because, you know, I'm, I'm taking guys through everything that I did that was yeah. tedious and difficult. But when they, you see that guy who – when we see it, we have a guy who entered the transfer portal right before – about six months before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Entered the transfer portal. He was out of shape. He used to throw 90, but now he's throwing 84. He, he thinks he's a done. Big change. And, I, and I just happened to see him at a golf course and saw his shirt that was a D1 program. I'm like, oh, tell me about it. And, he's, and he's like, he tells me his thing. I'm like, oh, my name's Cody Decker. He's like, oh, I know who you are. You played at the Chihuahuas because he's from El Paso. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I did. He's like, I have a facility. I'd love you to come check it out. And he came in, started training, worked his ass off, put on 20 pounds of muscle, got in shape, got himself back up to 94. And, yeah. you know, he went from uh, 
completely out of the game to now he gets a full ride to an NAIA school, getting a chance to go back out there and play and hopefully showcase himself to get signed. He has got a great splitter. That's and he's awesome. a great kid and he busted his ass to do it and he earned it. And to see how excited he was to get that opportunity to get back out there after where he was when he was, you know, 20, mm-hmm. he, he took advantage of the whole COVID year off. He just trained and trained and trained yeah. a lot of, and a lot of our guys did. And I'm, I couldn't be more proud of a lot of our athletes who came in and worked hard and they're accomplishing things. A guy named Griffin Bremer right now is over in Indie ball at Idaho falls. Guy came out here to El Paso from our He was at our facility in LA, drove out to El Paso. He literally stayed in a van, trained every single day, started yeah. working with other players as one of our interns. Mm-hmm. We have live at bats every Saturday, and he's just carving guys up to the point where we were able to get him signed to Idaho Falls, and he's carving guys up over there. Hey, like it's yeah. awesome. It's it just seeing those stories, um, especially after the year and a half we just had, and yeah. you know, it seems that still having. Yep. Um, and then it's, I feel it, that it's, it's about to get worse. Yeah. That's and I don't I, want yeah. it to. And nope. these successes have, you know, as much as I want them to happen all the time, those successes are just, they make it all worth it. man. hundred percent. I feel the exact same way on that one. It, it, it is awesome to see kids just, I mean, like straight, like grind their absolute ass off to get to yeah. where they want to be. And then, like, it is awesome to have someone, like, who is a mentor, like you, like, for them, I mean, like, to, to pretty much tell them, like, how, like, what you have gone through. I mean, to hear this stuff before they experience it, that's the, that, that's huge. Yeah, and that's, and I don't, I try my very best not to sugarcoat it. Yeah, I want, I yeah. want to be optimistic. I want them to yeah. go Just for every goal they can. But, guys, we got it. We got to. At the end of the day, there's some honesty we have, and there's some serious questions we have to ask ourselves. And, you know, we have to be realistic. Guys, I, it's El Paso. I know you all want to go to Texas. Yeah. None of you are going to Texas. And it's time to get over it now because there is a school and a place for you. And we're going to find it. And if who, and you go there and you put up numbers, who knows when you, where you stop? Because every guy that goes to Texas does not move on to play in the big leagues. You know, because everyone wants to go to the D1 school. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to go to D1 school, but not everyone's going to play. Yeah, I would. I mean, like, it's like I am glad that I went to a JUCO where I could play. Yeah, I went. I went to UCLA, and I was in a position that I might not have played. I had. I played out of my mind. That's why I played. Yeah, the opportunities I got, I took advantage of them. And you know, I was. I think when they got me, they knew that I was a big power guy. I led the state of California in home runs a couple of times. But I think at the end of the day, they were more into their high blue chip guys like the Brandon mm-hmm. Crawford. So look at him. He's a shortstop. He can look at that athlete. He's 6'3", just he does everything. He's the prototypical guy. Well, you're 5'11", 220, and, and pretty big and strong and hit a lot of homers. But you're not 6'3", and in, in, you know, shortstop shape. Yeah. You're, you're a big bruiser that's going to come in and do some damage. I'm like, yeah, but I can do a lot more than just some damage. And I did. And I had to show them that I could. And I had to prove a lot of people wrong in doing that. Well, it sounds like that you've proved a lot of people wrong with your whole career. Even like what you do now, I mean, you're doing your radio shows. You're, I mean, like you're on podcasts or podcasts, like you're kicking ass. And it's, it is awesome to hear everything. Hold that again. I think it froze. I hear you again. Oh yeah. It froze. I can't hear you. No. Oh, oh, yep. I can hear you, but oh, I'm right here. One, two, three, one, two, three. Yep. We're good. We're good. Awesome. Yeah. So you're doing all the podcast radio shows and I was bringing that out. I'm doing a lot, but, but, but it's fun. And I will say it's time. I'm, I'm really excited where the future's going to take. Hey, well, I am, I am all excited and 
I, I mean, like, I'm excited to see like where you go from here and it's, it, it's, it's, it's awesome. I mean, yeah. Awesome. So let, 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 let's, uh, let's uh, wrap it up a little bit. Um, so my, okay. So I'm going to ask you a question and I want to hear your, your response for this one. Okay. So let's say that there's a kid that was, uh, that's in college baseball and he's kind of, he had, ba- he had a bad year, he had a bad year and he doesn't think he's going to get drafted. Mm-hmm. But he has been in talks with pro scouts. What do you say to him? What 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 does that look like going forward? Do you have a school to go back to? Are you going back for your, the next year? Are you out of eligibility? Is what does the opportunity look like? How much do you value your education? How much do you value your playing career? Do you think your playing career would be affected negatively if you went for more education? Keep in mind. Baseball is going to end. That degree will continue to live on for the rest of your life. So I'm a big believer in continuing school. If you're going to be a guy that had like, that's the situation I just li- I live. Exactly. You know, that's the one where I'm talking to teams I could sign. And I chose to stay back because I had more value on another year of education than I did for $50,000. $50,000 is not going to be life-changing money to me. And I, I, I truly believed that if I really wanted to go play professional baseball next year, if I had another year exactly like I just did, I had enough of a track record behind me that someone will just give me a chance for – just give me a jersey for at least a little bit. So I, I knew I'd go play pro ball. I just didn't think that $50,000 was the way to do it because $50,000 is not going to keep your job. No, no. So nope. if you're going to give me $50,000, that's not an investment in me. You might as well give me no money. And I went back to school, and it was the best decision I ever made in my life. Hey. And you – took that advantage and absolutely kicked ass with it thanks man i i i had some fun well i i had fun talking today i had fun talking to you too man thanks for having me yeah dude for sure well uh have a great night and i hope you get some rest you too brother i probably will get some sleep at some point i look forward to it hey for sure hey i appreciate it good i think it's good there Perfect, man. Yeah, hey. I appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. It was a blast. Yeah, it, it uh, I'm going to fit into my, my crazy schedule. I love it. I'm glad we were able to do it, man. I appreciate you. Hey, no problem. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, sounds good.